How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in. This week, we're going to be talking about Andrew Luck and his sudden retirement from the NFL. Um, we're going to be talking about the U.S. Open and the fallouts after um, that tournament finished last week. Rafael Nadal captured his 19th Grand Slam. We're talking about NBA Rookie of the Year voting and who I think will eventually take home the title at the end of the year. And then finally, we're talking about one of the hottest topics in the sports world right now, and that is Antonio Brown. Um, so starting off with the Andrew Luck news. So um, approximately four weeks ago, Andrew Luck announced his retirement from the NFL. Um, the news actually broke during their third preseason game at home against the Chicago Bears. Um, it was very sudden. Um, no one really saw it coming. Um, Jacoby Brissett was in line to be the starter. Um, week one just because they didn't think luck was going to be ready but most people thought he'd be wet ready by week two week three um, then all of a sudden he kind of dropped the bombshell that he was going to retire um, I thought the timing of it was um, pretty awkward just because it was middle of a game especially it was at home and Andrew Luck was on the sidelines when the news came out that he was retiring um, and they ended up having to have a press conference after the game with him um, he actually got booed off the field which um, I think was pretty bad by the Colts fans. I understand they were mad. Um, and I think the timing of it didn't really help just because it was anticipated that he was going to play. Um, and then, you know, he decides to retire. And it was just in the middle of a game when the news came out. So all the fans probably saw it on their phones. You know, things travel so quickly nowadays with social media and uh, word of mouth and whatnot at games. Um, and I also think just... The timing as far as the third preseason game, had he done it weeks ago or a month or two ago before that, um, that way the Colts would have had a better idea of what they had to do. Um, whether or not he had made that decision at that point, we don't really know. Um, but just looking at Andrew Luck, um, you got to feel bad for him just because he's only 29 years old, which is pretty young for a quarterback in the NFL to retire. Um, he definitely is one of the greats. Um, just in this past uh, generation, um, he's one of the most hyped quarterbacks coming out of college, especially being the replacement for Peyton Manning. Um, it's unfortunate that we couldn't see him continue his career because I honestly feel that going forward they would have had chances to compete for multiple Super Bowls. Um, I thought especially this year they could have actually had a really good chance um, to compete for a Super Bowl. I thought their defense made huge strides from last year, and then their offense got a lot better last year so I thought luck healthy they'd have a real shot at competing with the Patriots and Chiefs this year but obviously that's not happening now um, luck was the first overall pick in the 2012 draft um, he started 86 games for the Colts with a 53 and 33 record uh, four-time pro bowler threw for 23,671 yards over the course of his career 171 touchdowns and 81 interceptions um, including a season in 2014 where they Went to the AFC Championship, and they lost the Patriots. But he also threw 40 touchdowns in that season. Um, they went to four playoff appearances while Luck was the quarterback in Indianapolis. Um, they went 4-4 four and four, um, in those games. Um, yeah, as I mentioned before, it was definitely shocking. But um, if you just look at his injury history alone, I'm just going over the injuries I have in front of me. 2015, sprained shoulder, lacerated kidney. Um, and a partially torn abdominal muscle, all in 2015. Um, 2016, he gets torn cartilage, as well as a concussion. 
2017, he has shoulder surgery and misses the entire season. Um, finally, he comes back in 2018 healthy. The Colts have a great year after starting off slow um, under first-year head coach Frank Wright. Um, they go to the playoffs, pull off an upset in the wild card round, and then they lost to the Chiefs. Um, and then coming into 2019, he got a calf strain um, before training camp started. Um, that kind of raised some more questions again. Um, and just going through his press conference when he answers retirement, you could just tell that um, the process of coming back from an injury really was taking a toll on him. Um, and if he wanted to play the game going forward, he wanted to be fully healthy. And I think just with all the injuries that, that I just talked about, I think it really um, beat him up mentally. Um, and I think I give Luck a lot of credit of going out um, when he did just because you know the injury history. Um, you can see what happened to players after their career's done in the NFL, a lot of things going on, um, talking about CTE um, after players' careers are over. Um, and I think it's good of him just to recognize that, um, not to say that he fell out of love with the game, but recognizing that injuries were just going to derattle him from being the best of his ability. And I think unless he could play to his full potential, I don't think he wanted to um, play out the rest of his career like that. I think he wanted to give everything he could to Indianapolis. Um, he'll definitely go down as one of the best quarterbacks in Colts history and one of the best quarterbacks um, in the game. Obviously, it's going to be a little lower than what it should be just because of the sudden retirement, and he definitely could have racked up some more stats and potentially Super Bowls, um, more Pro Bowl appearances, things of that nature. Um, but as I mentioned, I think, uh, in my opinion, I think Luck did a good thing, just getting out of the game when he could. Um, I know it sucks for all the Colts fans out there, and they got kind of put in a tough situation going this season, but they do have Jacoby Brissett, who I think is definitely um, a starter in the NFL. I think he's going to be good for them going forward. He just signed a two-year extension. Um, they do have Brian Hoyer, they just signed. They do have Chad Kelly. Um, I know a lot of people are down on him just because of his off-the-field issues, but um, on the field, Chad Kelly's, um, quite frankly, a baller. He just makes a lot of great decisions with the ball. Um, he can really sling the ball all around the field, and I wouldn't be surprised if um, he's a starter in the NFL one day, potentially even for the Colts. You know, um, Frank Reich backed up Jim Kelly in Buffalo, so they definitely have that connection. Um, the Colts gave him a second chance, and it looks like he's doing well so far um, and earning that second chance. So, um Looking over to the U.S. Open now, um, just some of the storylines after the tournament was over last week. So um, Rafael Nadal, hats off to him, won his 19th career Grand Slam. He's only one behind Roger Federer now for the most Grand Slams ever. Roger Federer is currently sitting at 20. Um, Nadal really had to work for it. Um, Medvedev gave him everything he could handle in that final. Um, for a while, it looked like Medvedev was actually going to take it. Um, Rafa was up two sets to none and then kind of collapsed a little bit um, and even got anxious there in the fifth set after going up 5-2. Um, he gets broken after he gets a violation and then um, Medvedev's hold serve and he actually almost breaks Nadal but then finally came up with some big serves. I mean you could tell how emotional he was after the match just because I think this one uh, not only took a toll on him physically but he's just been working so hard he hasn't um, really been in a lot of Grand Slams outside of the French Open um, as of late. 
So I think this one was really important to him, especially because he's chasing Federer, and they have a friendly competition. Um, and Roger Federer fell to Grigor Dimitrov a few rounds prior. Um, I thought Federer looked really good going into that match. I honestly expected him to go into the finals. Um, but the question now is if Federer's going to be able to ever win another one. I still think he can. Um, I think the fallout still from that loss to Djokovic um, before just has got eaten away at him still a little bit. I think he's frustrated that he didn't win that match prior. Um, so I think is going to bounce back. I think it would be smart if he took some time off, really regroup mentally, and then get back into it. Um, we'll see how he performs in the next upcoming tournaments and whatnot. Um, Novak Djokovic, number one player in the world, suffered an injury, um, shoulder injury. It's on his left shoulder, so his um, non-serving shoulder or non-hitting hand, whatever you want to call it. Um, personally, I kind of question the um, magnitude of that injury. Um, I don't think I have any doubt that he was hurt. Um, you could just tell by the amount of visits he got throughout the course of the U.S. Open, um, just between all of his matches, um, that something wasn't right. However, I think in the match against Stan, um, Stan Wawrinka was kind of blowing him out of the water at the night session. Um, he's up two sets to none, and then they went to the third before he ultimately retired. Um, I was kind of question how severe it was. I understand that he's down two sets to none, and obviously if you're that hurt, there's no worth continuing to fight and try to win three straight sets um, where you want to save your body going forward, which kind of stinks for the people there um, that purge tickets. Um, I know my cousin Jen and my Mary went there and they really enjoyed it. Um, but from a fan perspective, unlike football, basketball, baseball, when an injury occurs, even if it's to a star player, um, you still have a full team to like watch and root and cheer for. But, um, uh, where in tennis, if a person withdraws, just the match is over and you don't get to really watch anything. So really stunk for the fans there. Um, when I asked my cousin Jen about it, she also kind of thought that he was faking it a little bit. And the biggest reason I thought he's faking the severity of it was just because in that third set, um, he holds at love on his first service game. And then he gets broken or Vavrenka holds and then he gets broken again. Um, to me, if his shoulder hurt that bad, there's no way he would have been able to hold at love that first game he did. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he's just looking out for himself. Um, I've never really been a Djokovic fan, but um, he's got to do what he has to do going forward. Um, Serena Williams finally looks like she's back to being herself. Um, greatest woman player ever, in my opinion. Um, she really came through in a lot of matches and was really rolling all the way into the final. But um, Bianca Andreescu has to get a lot of credit. She handled Serena's serve really well. Um, she handled the power that Serena was putting behind it. And even when Serena rallied in that um, second set from 5-1 down and got to 5-5, she remained level-headed and closed it out. And um, I think she's going to be one going forward that can be uh, challenging to Serena. But at the end of the day, I still think Serena, even when... Um, or when she is on, I don't think there's anyone in the world that can beat her. I just think at her age right now and after having the child and whatnot, 
Um, I think she's going towards the back end of her career. I still think she'll win two or three more Grand Slams before she decides to hang it up for good, and I would expect her to probably retire at the U.S. Open. But um, the biggest takeaway that I got from the U.S. Open was that women's tennis for the U.S. side is in incredible hands. Um, just between Serena and Venus, they're still hanging around. You have Madison Keys, Salone Stevens, and then some of these young girls that really put on um, a show between Taylor Townsend, uh, Christy Ahn, Catherine McNally, and Coco Goff. I mean, those girls played incredible the entire tournament, especially Coco Goff, only 15 years old, and she's playing in a Grand Slam and beating some of the top players in the world. It's really incredible to see. Um, so it's definitely interesting going in to the next few Grand Slams coming up just because Nadal's only one behind Federer now. be interesting to see if the young American woman can continue um, trending in the right direction, whether or not Serena um, can get another Grand Slam. Same thing with Federer. And then we're going to see how severe Djokovic's injury is and whether or not he's going to be playing in the next Grand Slam. Um, so moving on, talking about NBA Rookie of the Year, I'm going to break down six different players and who I think has the best chance of winning Rookie of the Year this year. Um, so we'll start with three of the obvious players, and we're we'll talking about the first three picks in the draft. So that's Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, and John Morant. Um, Zion Williamson, first overall pick by the Pelicans. Um, I think Zion's in a good position just because of all the rookies. Um, I think he has the best team around him as far as a star player going to them. A lot of these um, later round guys, anywhere from 15 to the, all the way through the second round, they might go to a Golden State Clippers or whatever, but they're not going to play the role that they would on some of these teams like the top 10 players are just because those teams were obviously bad. That's why they're picking in the top half of the draft in the lottery and whatnot. Um, I think the Pelicans are going to be competing for a playoff spot. Um, they got a lot of good players from the Lakers and the Anthony Davis deal between Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart. Um, they still have Drew Holiday there. Um, they got Derek Favors in the offseason. So I think Zion's really going to fit well with them. My only concern with Zion is just adjusting to the NBA style. Um, in college, he was kind of able to just get in the lane at will and dunk every single ball he wanted to. Um, different story in the NBA. There's some big boys um, trying to go in the lane against LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George, all those big guys. It's not going to be as easy as it was at Duke. Um, so I kind of question if he's going to be able to do that. He still needs to work on his perimeter shot a little bit, but I don't think he's going to have a problem uh, with his mid-range. I think it's widely improved. I think people don't give him enough credit. I think he'll have a great rookie year. Um, personally, I, he's not my pick to win rookie of the year this year. Um, John Morant, the second overall pick. Um, I think he's in the most interesting position just because he's going to have the ball in his hand more than anyone um, in this rookie draft class just because he's going to be immediately excelled into that starting point guard spot in Memphis with the Mike Conley trade, sending him to Utah. Um, I think it's going to be good for him to have the ball in his hand. The more experience he get at a young age, I think the better for him, especially as a point guard. Um, the only concern for him is he's in the Western Conference, um, so it's going to be very tough for him to put up a lot of good numbers, which you have to do um, to being a serious rookie of the year. I still think he's going to have a great year. I wouldn't be surprised if statistically he has the best year of all the rookies, but 
Um, Memphis isn't going to be a very good team, so I think it'll be tough for him to win as well. Um, R.J. Barrett of the Knicks, the third pick. Um, he's in a kind of a strange situation just because um, it's kind of unclear whether or not he'll start or not. Um, I think he will, but you never know with Fisdale. Um, we'll see how he can handle the New York spotlight. Um, my biggest question is, will he be overshadowed um, by Kevin Knox? Just because they drafted Knox last year. So it's going to be very difficult to see. They're trying to work Knox in to be the guy he was drafted high last year. Um, so working those two together, it's going to be interesting to see. Knox was kind of a little bit of a knucklehead at Kentucky. Um, he seems like he has a little bit of an ego to him. So it'll be interesting to see if um, he works well with R.J. Barrett or not. Um, I just don't see him winning um, Rookie of the Year. I think the Knicks are still going to be bad. I think they're going to be better than they were last year for sure. Um, they had a few nice pieces in the offseason between Julius Randle and Alfred Payton, but they missed out on all the max free agents that they wanted. Um, Cam Reddish is another interesting name. Uh, he was picked uh, by the Atlanta Hawks. Um, his injury history a little bit, and then his unclear role with the Hawks right now. We don't know if he'll be coming off the bench or if he'll start. Um you know, last year he got questioned a little bit during the tournament run uh, just because uh, he missed a few games with that knee injury and they kind of questioned how bad he wanted it or not. So I don't know if he'll win. Uh, Kobe White, drafted by the Bulls, is another interesting name. Same thing kind of, though. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to start or not. They still have Chris Dunn, who was just a high pick three or four years ago before he was traded to the Bulls. He was on the Timberwolves, the high pick. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they work him in there. And then my bold prediction for Rookie of the Year, actually, is Darius Garland, the point guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, he kind of fell a little bit in the draft. Um, a bigger reason was that for that was because he only played five games in college. He had a meniscus injury. Um, so he fell pretty low in the draft. He probably should have been a top five pick, but uh, he slipped into the middle of the first round. Um and I think he's just going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's going to play really well with Colin Sexton. I think even though Sexton's technically a point guard, I think he'd work better off the ball. Um, and I think in that system with Beeline now, the head coach there, um, and Eastern Conference is a little weaker, I think that's going to be able um, for him to showcase his talents more um, compared to the, a lot of these other guys who are in the Western Conference, like John Zion. Um, and I just think Garland's a really good players from the highlights I've watched of him. Um, especially recently after coming off the injury, he looks like he's fully recovered. Um, and I think Beeline running a college system and getting that involved with him is going to be great. Um, I do think they're going to struggle overall. Um, and I think that could ultimately affect him in the rookie of the year voting. Um, Cause usually the, the better team you're on, the higher chance are you would be to win that award. Um, you saw that a few years ago with Malcolm Brogdon. Um, but, but Garland's going to be my uh, surprise pick to win Rookie of the Year this year in the NBA. Um, so now getting to my favorite topic for the show, and that's going to be Antonio Brown. Um, this is a topic that gets me kind of worked up just because I'm not a big Antonio Brown fan. Um, I think uh, he's not the greatest person in the world, but we're going to kind of break down um, what's happened over the course of of the past few months and what the heck's going on with the NFL. So 
This really all started last year um, with the Steelers, Week 17, when he decided not to play um, because of an injury, and a lot of people questioned his character because Steelers were fighting for a playoff spot, um, and they some of the teammates kind of felt like he didn't want to be out there on the field sacrificing his body with them try to get into the postseason. So after that kind of escalated, and he kind of had a little bit of a rough pass with Ben Roethlisberger, um, he wants out of Pittsburgh. Um, and then he posed teammate Juju Smith-Schuster's Instagram DM from when he was in college, which I don't understand why Antonio Brown thought it would make him look bad because the DM was literally just Juju saying how much he respects him and whatnot and would love to learn from him and everything else. Like, I don't know why you thought posting someone else's message of an encouraging statement on your Instagram and whatnot makes you think that he's going to look bad. No, that makes you look like a scumbag because you're posting someone else's information that was clearly a private message. Even though it was positive, um, it doesn't look good on you. And then he gets traded to Buffalo. And then within a matter of hours, that was reportedly false. And everything falls through. And eventually gets traded to the Raiders for a third and fifth round pick in 2019. Um, And people could say what they want, that the Bills trade was fake. And it was never going to happen. But the fact that Antonio Brown even went on his Instagram, posted a picture of him like looking away from the Bills and smiling at the Raiders, kind of told it was true. Um, So then he gets on the Raiders. He misses time in training camp after he got frostbite on his feet after using a chamber in France for recovery. Um, He had multiple helmet grievances with the NFL, so he still was missing camps and practice. You barely saw him on hard knocks. Um, He then threatens to retire from the NFL if he can't use his old helmet, which the NFL um, said is no good anymore for use, even though there's Tens of thousands of other helmets he could use, but because Antonio Brown has to be his way or the highway, um, so the Raiders find him multiple times, which he posts on his Instagram story, then the next day, he returns to practice, apparently gives a sincere apology, there's going to be no suspension, and he's going to play Monday night against the Broncos. Nope, just kidding. Then he posts the fine on his social media again after he got fined a second time and he demands a release from the Raiders on his Instagram page. Um, So the Raiders, having enough of his BS, decide to release him. AB gets none of his $30 million guaranteed and we don't know what's going to happen. Nope, just kidding. We know exactly what's going to happen. He signs with the Patriots, the best team in the NFL. And shockingly... Pretty quickly that happens. Um, kind of funny that that happens almost too quickly. And it was actually rumored that the Patriots offered the Steelers a first-round pick compared to Oakland's third and fifth for Antonio Brown originally. But Pittsburgh didn't want to trade him to division rival, or not division rival, but AFC rival Patriots and help them out. I'm calling BS. If a team offers you a first-round pick, no matter if they're in your division, your same conference, whatever, you're telling me you're going to pass up on a first-round pick and say, no, you know what, I'm going to call, I'm going to go to Oakland, 
I actually want a third and a fifth. I just didn't see what the point of that was. Oakland's still in the AFC, just the same as the Patriots. I mean, Oakland's not in the same caliber, but I just find it funny that hours after he's released by the Raiders, he immediately ends up on the Patriots. The Patriots are only paying him $15 million, so they don't have to pay him the 30 guaranteed. Well, if his biggest deal was not getting paid, he goes to Oakland, gets paid $30 million guaranteed money, and then forces his way out to go to the Patriots. It makes literally no sense. You're making less money on the Patriots now than you would have in Oakland, which is what you wanted, and now you're on the best team in the NFL. I just find that sketchy, and I think that's why you do have people out there that think there are those um, theories of the NFL's rigged and how everything's fixed for the Patriots. You never know. Um, I just think it's dumb, personally, that he ended up on the Patriots. One, because I'm a Bills fan, and two, just because I just thought it was crazy that the way it was handled, and in a matter of hours, he ends up on the Super Bowl champion team, and his agent Drew Roanhouse, or however you pronounce his name, um, claims he was in negotiations with another team and was going to sign with them. I don't believe that for a second. Um, and then he posts John Gruden's phone call before that too. And then the whole reaction video of him fake scrolling through his phone and starting to yell, I'm free, after he says, oh, look at Adam Schefter's Twitter after they were released him. Um, it was so fake, you could clearly see he wasn't scrolling through anything on his phone in the video. Um, and then reports came out that he hired consultants to accelerate his release from Oakland just so he could sign with the Patriots. Um, as I mentioned before, the Patriots offered a first-round pick to the Steelers, so I just found that funny. And immediately the day after he signs with the Patriots, what else happens? Well, now he's facing sexual assault and rape allegations. And that's serious stuff. Um, I know they haven't formally investigated him with the police. I know the his ex or whatever that's accusing him is currently getting married and whatnot this week, so they have to wait till next week. But um, once they do the investigation, he better be put on the exempt list in the NFL. Um, it's just ridiculous, honestly, what some NFL players get away with and like the standard that the NFL has set um, for these type of situations. Um, just looking at previous stuff with AP, um, him hitting his kid and whatnot. I know Ray Rice was ultimately, uh, suspended from like pretty much kicked out of the NFL and Kareem Hunt's facing an eight game suspension right now. But I just think it's utterly ridiculous how Antonio Brown pretty much walked around. If I don't get my helmet, I'm going to retire. I'm not going to show up to practices. I'm going to be posting things all over my Instagram, social media, all about me, 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 uh, negative spotlight, and just doing things that no normal human being would do. Like, honestly, I'm concerned something's wrong with him and he needs help. It's just ridiculous that now all of a sudden these allegations come out and really nothing's being done. He's going to play Sunday against the Dolphins. And I know everyone's um, do their fair trial and whatnot and um, innocent until proven guilty and Kareem Hunt's serving his eight-game suspension um, this season, but um, I think the NFL just needs to get their act together, and I really hope that if this was true or when they're investigating, he does get put on that list to set a standard um, that this isn't okay 
And if this does get walked through, I'm just fully going to be convinced that the NFL is rigged and everything's going to go the Patriots way. Um, I know that's like a little outlandish. I'll obviously still watch football, but um, I think just a topic like this kind of gets me going. It's just it's a shame to see when an athlete like that just pretty much acting like the world revolves around him when you got guys out there in the military and doctors and whatnot that could make one-eighth, if not less, than what he earns, and he's going out acting like this um, just because he can't wear a helmet and whatnot. And it's just utterly ridiculous. Um, but... Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about uh, my thoughts on Ralph Kruger as his first season's approaching with the Buffalo Sabres. We're talking about Bill's takeaways from the Giants game this week, as well as my Bengals prediction, preview of St. Bonaventure and their upcoming men's basketball season, and then um, which Sabre is going to make the biggest strides this season. And a new thing that uh, one of my friends, Corey, thought would be a good idea, I'm going to start doing a weekly pick em, and I'm going to keep track of myself throughout the course of the season. So I'm going to pick one FL game per week, um, who I think is going to win almost like I'm going to do it survivor style. I can't pick the same team twice. Um, this week I'm going to pick the Bills over the Giants. Um, kind of a home home pick right there, but I think the Bills got a really good shot at beating the Giants this week. But, um, but yeah, it's going to do it for this week's episode. Um, thank you all for tuning in. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Um, I hope you all tune in next week and enjoy the rest of your week. And thank you guys once again.